But Merry Christmas. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them to Luke chapter 2 as we continue on from what Pastor Matt talked about last night as we gathered together uh, for Christmas Eve. What a great weekend, right? As, uh, if you're looking for a Bible, there's one in the chair in front of you somewhere. Uh, if it, and you can flip over to page 500 to find where we're at. But as you flip there, promises are a funny thing. Uh, in my family, I don't make promises. Uh, my kids hate it with a passion. Uh, I always say we will see or something like that. And it drives them insane um, because I don't make them promises. And I do that on purpose because I want to, when I do make a promise, make sure that I can fulfill that promise. But we have a God who fulfills his promises all the time. Every time he makes a promise, we know that it will happen. We see that throughout the Bible, and specifically we see that in Luke 2, as Pastor Matt talked about yesterday. Jesus is fulfillment of a promise promised many, 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 many years ago. Thousands, in fact, since the beginning of time. We forget from Genesis 3, God promises someone to come and crush the head of Satan. So Christmas is a reminder about a God who fulfills all his promises through sending the promised one, and he invites us to come and see. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8, because Pastor Matt did 1 to 7 yesterday. So chapter 2 of Luke, verse 8, and the word of the Lord says this, In the same region there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there were, uh, was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known to the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. At the end of the eight days, when he was uh, circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Let's pray. Father, we come to worship you and to continue to worship you as we reflect upon the promises fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Lord, I just pray that we would make much of you today. And Lord, I can't do this on my own, so by your Spirit, will you empower me to do this with what is needed? And amen. In verses 8 to 14, we see an invitation to the promise one. In verse 8, we're introduced to this group of people called shepherds. The bottom of the social scale, actually. They weren't people that were looked on well. They weren't even allowed to legally be witnesses in courts. But they were just doing their job. 
You know, shepherding is a 24-7 job. And people didn't really like them very much. They didn't have that good reputation, as I was saying. They lived their lives outside, under the stars, keeping watch over their flocks at night, as we see. And, sh- and we see how God uses this insignificant people in the Israelite society to put them on a significant mission. And as we see in verse 9, as they are doing their job, just one angel shows up, just one. And that was so magnificent that the glory of the Lord filled the night sky and surrounded the shepherds. The glory of the Lord is the splendor of God that they are seeing. These are men that are suddenly coming face to face with the glory of a holy God. This is the splendor that is associated with God's seen presence. So what would your response be to such a thing? Because we can read this and be like, why are they so scared? Because I think we have this image of angels as like babies with wings, with little bows. But they were filled with great fear, it says. Meaning that they were afraid something bad was going to happen. And we see that consistently whenever somebody, ever, when anybody sorry, comes face to face with an angel. In Isaiah, we see Isaiah falling to the ground saying, I'm a man of unclean lips. We see that with even Mary, who's scared. They were filled with great fear. This is actually the proper response. Not going, ooh, doesn't that look so cute? Sometimes I wonder what would happen to us if we had the biblical idea of God's holiness like these shepherds came to suddenly face to face with. When you look at other occasions of angels appearing, they're not exactly nice people. If you want a description of what an angel looks like, just look at Ezekiel 1 or read Revelation. And you will see why they respond the way that they respond. In God's amazing grace, he sends an angel to announce the birth of his son, Jesus Christ, the promised one, not to the rich and the powerful like Caesar or the governor or religious leaders, but to shepherds. God chooses these men to make an announcement of the arrival of his son to the the promised one rather than government or religious leaders. So in verse 10, the angels quiet their fears with a great announcement of great, that will bring great joy or good news. Not bad news like the shepherds were fearing, but good news that will bring joy, not fear. As he says, I bring you good news. Literally gospel. Euangelion is the word there. And this is truly the gospel. And this news is not just for the Jews, but is for all people. And what is that news? What makes it so good? That's rooted in who the promised one is. Because in verse 11 it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. So this is important. Caesar, the Roman ruler at the time, called himself these things, Savior and Lord. But God declares that the newborn baby is Savior and Lord. It's not the person who commands the whole known world, who got this census to come into place. It is this baby wrapped in swaddling cloths in a manger. 
And this day, the angel says, salvation history is fulfilled. The Savior has come in the city of David as promised in Isaiah 9 verse 9. As it says, and all the people will know Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria who say in pride and arrogance of heart. As God prophesied way back as, and used Isaiah to prophesy of his coming and where exactly he was going to be born. This baby was going to be born in this city of David, as has been foretold, but he's also Savior. And Savior is an interesting word because in Isaiah 45 it says, Truly you are God who hides himself, a God of Israel, the Savior. And as, as Mary, call, Mary herself calls him Savior in Luke 1, 47, he's the one who is as Luke 1 verse 69 says, who will be raised up as a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And what we saw last week in Acts 5 verse 31, God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. He's not coming as a political leader or a military leader, but the promised one who will free us and his people from something far greater than some sort of political oppression. He is the Savior who will save from sin. Jesus delivers his people once and for all from sin, their greatest enemy. So not only is he Savior, but he is Christ. The Greek word for Messiah This baby being born is the promised deliverer. He is the anointed king of Israel who fulfills the covenant promises made to King David. He is the one that Ezekiel 34 says, And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them, and he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. You know, something that's wonderful, a re- wonderful reminder to me as I've spent time in the Old Testament in my personal time is constantly God says something and he says something along these lines, I am the Lord, I have spoken, or the zeal of the Lord will make this happen, saying this is going to be, pro- this is a promise that for sure is going to happen. None of this like quasi, uh, you know, as parents, we go to our kids, I promise that we're going to go to Florida. And, you know, the year goes by and never happens. He is Christ, born in the city of David. He is Savior, but he's also Lord. He is even more. This baby will not only be born in some backwater town according to the uh, providential sovereign will of God. He is not only Savior, he will not only save his people from their sins, but he is Lord. Meaning, he is not only born as a human, but he is God. And I don't know if the shepherds really got this or grasped this truth that the Messiah who was born as a baby is also Lord God himself, but this baby's lordship shows his deity. He's not just a human baby. He is God. He's sharing the same status and identity as the one who created everything. He is the one who created everything. He is the promised one. See, as human, as a human Jesus represents humanity. As God, he is the only one able to pay the price for our sins. 
And God had to be both God and man. And as God, Jesus could satisfy God's wrath. As a man, Jesus is our mediator. As 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So as the God-man, Jesus is the perfect mediator between heaven and earth, and salvation is available only through faith in Jesus Christ. As he proclaims in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is what makes this good news. The angels were coming to proclaim good news. You and I, we're sinners. And because of that sin, we have been separated from God. But God provides a way to bring us into a right relationship with himself by stepping down to be born of a baby and to grow up and to die in our place for our sin. Jesus is the promised one. And that's what makes this good news of great joy for all people. The gospel is described as great joy for all people because a Savior and Lord has come to save and to rule over all those who believe. Not just one people group, but all people. It's a message of joy because this Savior and Lord is the one who brings peace and acceptance from God himself. So as we see in verse 12, you will find this baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The one who is Christ, the Lord, the Savior, is lying in a trough used to feed animals. Not clothes and clothes of royalty, not, but not, 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 a, not even the one who deserves to be clothed in these things, because he is the one who created all things. But lying in claws in a feeding trough. But this is the one that we see a thousands of angels showing up in the sky in verse 13 to worship the very fact that good news has come that will bring great joy to all people who believe. And then we see in verse 14 that they worship, singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. He is the omnipotent Son of God who has taken the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. I don't think we get that one. He is the one who was promised from long ago, who was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. And he comes to bring peace, which is a peace of salvation that God gives through his son who brings those who believe into a right relationship with him. See, Jesus is also the prince of peace. And he brings peace. This is God's gift And it is those with whom he is pleased as as they sing. Those who are recipients of God's gracious and kind pleasure. Those who receive his electing grace. This is an invitation to see the promised one who was promised from Genesis 3 at the onset of Adam bringing sin into the world. A new Adam has come who will pay the price for his people's sin. So when we believe this, there's no longer fear, but now there is freedom and joy and and a strong desire to go after Jesus, who is Lord. And as we see in verses 15 to 21, the shepherds respond with what they hear, and they go. They're going to the promised one. There's a grammatic imperfect word here, meaning that they couldn't stop talking about what they saw. 
and who made known these things, and they give credit to God as the one who made this known. And they quickly went to the town of Bethlehem, and there found everything as the angels said. So the shepherds tell Mary and Joseph all the things that they've heard and saw. They didn't hold back from what they heard. They tell others about this good news of this baby that was born. You could just imagine the conversation. We were just chilling in the field, doing our job. And suddenly one angel showed up, and it was like illuminated everything. And then suddenly there was thousands all saying this thing and telling us to go and see this baby that was born. And as others heard this story, as we see in verse 18, as the shepherds continued to tell all of that they've witnessed, all who heard it wondered. Those who heard were amazed and marveled at what happened. And what is ironic about this, is, as we have said, is that these were people, these shepherds were people that couldn't even be trusted to be witnesses in court who God is using to declare this good news. And as one commentary said, it is not witnesses who invoke the word, but the word that calls, creates, and empowers witnesses. That's a great reminder for you and for me. And as Mary heard these things, she does something a little bit different. She treasures. To treasure is, is something that's ongoing. She's pondering about this, about the right idea, having, seeking to have the right idea of what has happened. And Mary hears the words that are said and holds fast to them. And what a great example of faith. She's taking these mental snapshots hoping to remember what is happening here and to recall them later. And as I think about this, I think of like a grandparent who's sitting in the corner in their rocking chair watching their family just play together with all their grandkids, with a little smile on their face as they reflect upon all that God has done. So the outcome of all that the shepherds heard and saw was the result of them continuing to worship. So what is your response to the promised one? Is it something you shrug off? Is it something that isn't exciting enough to talk about? Or is it something that you can't contain? Are you amazed at the promised one, glorious God, creator of the universe, is now pleased with us and speaks peace into our lives when we don't deserve it? And when we believe this, there is no longer fear, but now there is freedom and joy and a strong desire to follow after Jesus. We see a, a desperate group here who hear and speak and marvel and ponder and glorify and praise. So what, you may ask? God made, a prom God made promises at the moments of humanity when we brought sin into this world, when Adam brought sin into this world, that there would be a promised one who would be Christ, the Lord and Savior. Jesus is the Lord, the Savior, and the Christ who was born over 2,000 years ago to fulfill that promise. Is that promise that allows those who are in Christ, who are sons and daughters, to call a holy God Father. Jesus is the promised one. So we can rejoice and share the message about Jesus Christ because he is the long-awaited Messiah who dies for his people's sin. 
So an angel appears to the shepherds who have no standing in society. The angels tell them of the birth of Christ, the promised one. And what's shocking is that the Christ, the Savior, the Lord, will be found in a feeding trough in swaddling cloths. Can you have a greater picture of what was read even last night from Philippians 2, verse 6? Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But after the announcement of this good news of great joy that will be for all people, an uncountable number of angels appear giving glory and praise to God for the birth of the Messiah. For the shepherds, this is confirmation of what they had just heard and seen as they go and see this baby. The shepherds make their way to this baby who is Christ the Lord and, and talks to anybody who will listen about what they had seen and heard. Some are, are astonished, but Mary, she ponders and reflects. What do we see in this account of the birth of Jesus is that God's promise of peace, his covenant of peace, is given to all those with whom he is pleased. That promise has come. And that's what Christmas is. That's what makes it merry. This is why we can go home and celebrate and eat probably more food than you should. Our God is a promise-keeping God. Every Christmas, I am reminded of that. And he made a promise many millennia ago, and he invites us to meet the promised one today so we can rejoice and share the message about Jesus Christ because he is the long-awaited Messiah who dies for his people's sins. Let's pray and continue to worship God. Father God, we thank you so much for Christmas. And Christmas doesn't stop with a baby, but points to the cross. So Lord, we thank you for the grace and the mercy that we are reminded of on this day. May we continue to worship you throughout this day, if it be at our potluck or when we go home with our families. May we seek to dwell upon what you have done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.